Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Abarachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you uh, for being a gracious God, for allowing us to come to uh, this Shabbat and to experience your might and power among us. Father, we thank you that you are gracious and loving and that you speak to us both through your word and verbally, audibly to us, Father. I pray that as we open up your word today that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it will be your word spoken, your heart received, that nothing in me will be involved except that which you have ordained specifically for this purpose. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen. So as we have been uh, talking about for the last several weeks, uh, we are focusing uh, right now on this idea of discipleship. Uh, and this is uh, the third and final message in this series on discipleship that we've been doing here at Congregation Maim Chaim. Um, and I want to take today, and you know, we've talked kind of about in general, what discipleship is. Last week, we talked about how we can be better disciples ourselves. And then this week, we're going to focus on what it looks like to be a disciple who makes disciples, how we go about doing that. Because the reality is, is that we are called to be disciples of Yeshua, but we are also called in that discipleship to make disciples of Yeshua. If you go back to Matthew 28, Beginning with verse 16, uh, we look at what is often called the Great Commission, uh, which begins at verse 19. But it says, Now the eleven disciples went to the Galilee, to the mountain Yeshua had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some wavered. And Yeshua came up to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and remember I am with you even to the end of the age. And so what we see here is that this is a call by Yeshua, this is a command by Yeshua, not just to uh, the kind of pastors, if you would, of the world, or the rabbis, not just to evangelists or to missionaries, not just to youth leaders, but this is a call and a directive by Yeshua to all of his followers. These are words that were spoken to his earliest followers, to his closest uh, uh, friends, to the disciples themselves, and he was sending them out from there to go into all of the world and to make disciples of all nations. And as we've said the last several weeks, if you look at the body of Messiah around us, this is not necessarily something we have been so good at. Uh, if we look at the body of Messiah around us, we recognize that more often than not, we rely on, instead of the individual believer within the community to make disciples, we rely on our rabbi or our pastor or whatever else to make disciples. And we like to warm seats. We like to come and, and have kind of this consumer mindset of worship. We want to take the word as it's given to us, and then we want to go and live our own life. But for the most part, the body of Messiah has not been so good at actually going out and reaching the lost of the world with the message of Yeshua and leading them not just to salvation, but leading them to a life 
that emulates our Messiah. And so today we're going to focus particularly on two verses out of Colossians uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 28 and 29. These are the two verses we're going to focus on. But I want to bring out this idea that first and foremost, if you look through the book of Colossians, and I encourage you, go home today and even this afternoon or first thing tomorrow, take some time to read through the book of Colossians as a whole in context, beginning with chapter 1 and rolling all the way through the end. And what you will notice is that Paul is actually laying out a diagram of what discipleship looks like as he's dealing with the Colossian community of believers. Because we start with the very beginning of uh, Colossians, and right out the gate he's thanking the Lord and praying over these as he does often in his letters, but then he immediately jumps into who Yeshua is, who he is as God. Verse 15 of chapter 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven on earth, the seen and the unseen, whether thrones or angelic powers or rulers or authorities, all was created through him and for him. And then he goes into the mystery being revealed, which was that the message of salvation was brought to the Jews and through the Jews to the world. And that this was a message not just for the Jewish people, but for the nations, for the the Gentiles as a whole as well, because God wanted to reunite all of creation with himself. Then he goes into living in that mystery, living it out in a very literal sense. And then he goes into this idea of false wisdom and and walking in our own might and power and uh, taking off the old self, the old man, and putting on the new and walking in. And so if you look through the book of Colossians, he lays out a pretty beautiful roadmap of what being a disciple looks like, at what being discipled or walking in discipleship looks like. But in particular, chapter 1, verses 28 uh, and 29, he says, we proclaim him, speaking of Yeshua, warning and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Messiah. To this end I labor striving all his, with all his strength, which is powerful, uh, powerfully at work in me. And so as we look at Colossians, we see that Colossians is a book that lays out this kind of journey of discipleship and what being a disciple in Yeshua looks like. And he goes through the theological issues. He goes through the personal walk issues. He goes through the prayer life. He goes through all of this in the book of Colossians and kind of, uh, uh, if you would, lays out this foundation of discipleship for these new believers in uh, the, the Colossian community. And from this passage, we can actually take away uh, a number of, as we look through Colossians as a whole, a number of really good points, but there's five particular issues I want to deal with when we're talking about discipleship and what it looks like for us as disciples of Yeshua to walk in this mindset of discipling others into the kingdom of God. And remember, we are not discipling people for the sake of making mini-me's of ourselves. We're discipling people to walk in the emulation of Yeshua so that they can then go and disciple others. And the beauty of discipleship is, imagine I am one single person, but if I can disciple, say, five people in a year, which is probably, you know, a, a way too big a number of reali- you know, realistically of what one could do, but let's say I could, I could disciple five distinct individuals in a year. Now I've prepared those, if I've done it right, I've prepared those five disciples of Yeshua to go and make disciples themselves. So let's say each of them can disciple five people the next year. Now we've got five people discipling five more each. That's 25 new disciples of Yeshua from this one individual reaching five people who have now reached five more each. Plus, I have a whole other year to disciple another five 
that the next year we'll disciple five each and so on and so forth. And I'm using just a really simple number there for, for example, but we recognize that this is something that is supposed to be replicated. It's not that we come to faith and we figure out how to live this life of righteousness founded in Yeshua and then we just kind of hoard it to ourselves. We're supposed to do something with it, right? We read the story of the, the, in the, the parable in the Gospels of uh, the, the, the guy that goes and buries the, the, the uh, funds that were given to him in a hole because he was afraid that his master was going to kill him if he lost it all rather than trying to invest it and get something back. And unfortunately, most of the body of Messiah has become that guy, right? We receive salvation and we just kind of sit on it. Okay, cool, we're good. We're in the gate. That's all that matters. Yay, yay, let's go. But the reality is, is that Yeshua wants us to take that and invest that in other people so that others can walk in this life of salvation and renewal in Messiah Yeshua. So these five things that we can particularly take from these verses 28 and 29. First is, the heart of a disciple is proclaiming Yeshua. Right? The heart of a disciple is proclaiming Yeshua. Right out the gate he says, we proclaim him. Speaking of Yeshua, the heart of a disciple or the heart of discipleship is proclaiming Yeshua. So when we are discipling somebody, we are proclaiming the reality of who Yeshua is, of what he has done for us, and what he will return to do when he comes back. This is the core of Colossians 1. The entire chapter, the core of Colossians 1 is proclaiming the good news of who Yeshua is. Discipleship should be outward focused. Right? We aren't investing in someone simply for the sake uh, of that individual, but instead we are proclaiming Yeshua to all men and women that we possibly can for the sake of them then turning around and proclaiming Yeshua to others. We are outwardly focused. We are not simply trying to live our own lives for the Lord. We are not simply proclaiming Yeshua so that we can build our numbers. I've heard people go, you know, people that, that were uh, evangelists or whatever that are teaching different places to go, hey, I personally have saved 75,000 people. <laughs> I didn't see your blood poured out for anybody. What are you talking about? You may have led 75,000 people to Yeshua, but that's not something for you to brag about. That's something for Yeshua to brag about. What you should be doing is back on your face, praying before the Lord for humility so you can go and reach another 75,000. But it should be outwardly focused. We should constantly be proclaiming Yeshua so that others are built up to turn around and proclaim Yeshua. Now, as we walk in this idea of proclaiming Yeshua in discipleship, there's a particular temptation we must fight and avoid becoming a reality in our lives as we're looking at this. And that temptation is proclaiming ourselves. Walking around and saying, I saved 75,000 people. That takes the focus off of Yeshua and puts it on us. We should be outwardly and inwardly motivated so that we are simply making much of Yeshua, not much of ourselves. We must be outwardly and inwardly focused to see the reality of the kingdom of God known by all men. Everything that we do, everything that we say, every person we come into contact with should be for the purpose of proclaiming Yeshua is salvation. That Yeshua is the Son of God. That Yeshua poured out His life that we could be redeemed, renewed, and restored in relationship with the Lord of all creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The second thing that we take from this is from the next line. The, it says, uh, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone in all wisdom. The means of discipleship are teaching and warning with wisdom. 
Now, with that idea of with wisdom, that means being level-headed in the way we approach things, not just in how we are sharing or what we are sharing or the words that we are bringing, but being level-headed in doing that. We must teach the Word of God and show how, the, how to live lives that glorify the Lord. Everything that we do should be for the purpose of the glory of God and the furthering of His kingdom, not our own. We are not reaching people and discipling people to build our numbers up. Like you've heard me say the last two weeks, our goal after this sermon series is to develop a mentality in our congregation of discipleship first, of being disciples who make disciples, of being disciples who reach the lost with the message of Messiah and show them how to walk in maturity in Him in this process of discipleship. And so as we move forward from here, we are going to establish a discipleship training course that we are going to do regularly so that anybody and everybody that comes through our doors will have the opportunity to learn how to disciple others. Because if we're honest, most of us who have walked with the Lord for however long we've walked with the Lord have never been taught how to disciple other people. As a matter of fact, most of us were likely, if we're honest about it, never really discipled ourselves. Yeah? If we're honest about it, that's the truth of the matter. And discipleship should be a one-on-one relationship, a, a mentor-mentee almost type of a relationship. Sometimes you can do that in a small group of three or four people, but the reality is, is the more people in that group, the more complicated it is for intimacy and for vulnerability and for openness. The best way for discipleship is one-on-one. That's not to say it's the only way, but that is the best way. We must teach the word of God and show how to live lives that glorify him. Our responsibility is not only to teach the right way, but also to warn against the wrong way. A lot of times as believers, as we are ministering to people, especially in the day and age we live in, where if you call wrong, wrong, you're suddenly wrong, right? The, the, the day and age that we live in is exactly what Yeshua says when in the, he says in the end of days that uh, hearts will be turned cold towards one another and that we will call what is good bad and what is bad good. And that is where we are right now. That is where we find ourselves at this very moment in the world around us. But the reality is, is it's one who is making disciples for Yeshua is one who not only tells people the right way to live but calls out things that they are doing that is wrong. We cannot be silent when those we are discipling are living in opposition to Scripture. And John says that uh, the uh, transgression of the law is sin. We cannot, we should not be silent when those we are discipling are living in opposition to Scripture. The temptation here to fight is that we cannot become people pleasers we also cannot speak out of harshness. We can't bring people into our lives that we are feeding into and investing and building up and discipling and just simply trying to keep them happy. Because if that's the case, then we're going to tell them what God says we're supposed to do, but we're never going to call them on the crap that's wrong in their lives. But we also can't be harsh about how we call sin out in their lives either. We go to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught doing something wrong, I'm sorry, Galatians 6 verse 1. If you're looking at Galatians 1, that didn't get you very far. Uh, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught doing something wrong, you are directed by the Ruach HaKodesh, restore, uh, you who are uh, directed by the Ruach, uh, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, looking closely at yourself so you are not tempted also. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the Torah of Messiah. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, 
he is fooling himself. Rather, let each one examine his own work. Then he will have pride in himself alone and not in comparison to anyone else, for each one will carry his own load. Now let the one who is taught the word share all good things with his teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that also he shall reap. For the one who sows in the flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows in the Ruach will reap uh, from the Ruach eternal life. So let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap it uh, reap if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good toward all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. So he says that when you see someone, your, your brother or your sister who is doing something wrong, who is walking contrary to the word of God, it is our responsibility, it is our duty, it is our call as disciples of Yeshua who are discipling others to walk with Yeshua to call them out of that sin with gentleness and with love and with compassion. We are not to beat them over the head about their sins. We are not to be rude and immediately damn them to hell because of their sins. But we are supposed to, out of gentleness and love and compassion, lead them in restoration from our sinful ways. The third thing that we take away from this passage here in Colossians chapter 1 is, uh, it comes with this next line, so that we may present every person complete in Messiah. Some translations may say that we complete every person mature in Messiah. As we move on in this, he says, the goal of discipleship is to present everyone mature or complete or full in Messiah. Discipleship must teach that not only are we redeemed in Messiah, but also that in Messiah, we are to mature. Discipleship is to increasingly become more like Yeshua. If you come to faith in Yeshua, but your life never looks like Yeshua, you're probably not mature in Yeshua. And you were probably not discipled properly to walk like Yeshua. We are to nurture, love, <clears throat> and meet the spiritual needs of the disciples who are in our care. But we do not need to coddle them forever. Lead them to maturity and Messiah and empower them to go and make disciples. As you heard me say uh, the other, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, discipleship isn't about building friends. Discipleship isn't about building our kingdom. Discipleship isn't about building spiritual children, quote unquote. Not that there's any problem with that. I have people in my life that I absolutely look to as my spiritual parents in my walk with the Lord. And I can look at that time frame in my life and walking with them and see how the Lord used them to disciple my life and my ministry and my wife's life and our children later on, how they've been raised and the things that have gone on in their lives and the things that we've done for them. And we can see how being discipled by these people who we consider our spiritual parents fed into who we are now and what we are doing for the Lord now. But we were not coddled by them. We were not babied by them. They did not just hold on to us forever. Instead, they built us up. They disciples, they trained us to walk like Yeshua, to minister like Yeshua, and then they let us go to go lead others to the Lord and to disciple others to walk faithfully with him. We are not to coddle people. We are not to build relationships. Now, sometimes friendships will come out of this, right? Discipleship is a relationship, and sometimes they will become some of the greatest friends you've ever had and will be your friends for the rest of your life. But if we're honest, sometimes people that we're called to reach and to disciple, our personalities aren't going to mesh for long term, not even remotely. Most of you in this room have talked to me a few times, and you know pretty well you're probably not going to hang out with me in a long-term relationship in one single room for very long before I drive you nuts, 
right? I mean, that's just the, I mean, my wife already, I'm surprised she's not like in a padded room somewhere having to deal with me for the last uh, 18 years of marriage and 21 years together. But nonetheless, sometimes our, 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 our personalities just aren't going to mesh for a long-term friendship. But nonetheless, the Lord puts these people in our lives so that we can disciple them for a long-term relationship with who matters, which is Yeshua, so that they can then go and model that as disciplers of others. The t- t- temptation here to fight against is seeking fulfillment and being needed, right? We're not to coddle people that we're discipling and, and that we're building up. We're not to coddle them and, 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 and hang on to them as babies. We're to bring them to a place of maturity, but we are to make sure that we are not simply trying to find fulfillment and being needed by the people that we are discipling, right? Don't allow the disciple to uh, become dependent, or I'm sorry, too dependent on you. Instead, they must learn how to be independent in their walk with Yeshua so that they then can go and disciple others. We also are to point them to Yeshua. We should not try to be Yeshua for them. The temptation of fight here is to make sure that we are not hanging on to or seeking fulfillment and being needed. And when we do, we shift the attention again away from Yeshua and to ourselves. The next thing that we see here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, this first line is, To this end <clears throat> I labor. And this is where things get complicated. The cost of discipleship is toil and struggle. That doesn't mean that discipling others is going to be complicated in and of itself. And there will be cases where it will be. There will be cases where you're leading people through mess that you never thought you would have ever had to deal with but that these people need to find freedom and restoration from. But the cost of discipleship is toil and struggle. Discipleship is a joy, it's an honor, it's a blessing, and it's a divine calling and gift that has been given to us, but it also takes time and energy, and it takes hard work. We must meet regularly and faithfully with our disciples so that we can feed into them what it looks like to live a life that glorifies Yeshua, a life that emulates Yeshua. We must meet faithfully and regularly with them so that they can be built up in their relationship with the Lord and so that they can see a model of what it looks like to live in relationship with the Lord in our lives. The temptation to fight here is idolizing an easy life. If discipleship doesn't require struggle and sacrifice, you may need to reevaluate if you become too comfortable in your walk with the Lord. Most of you know me, and you know the life that I live, and you know that there are very few loose free seconds in my life. Right? Right now, I am the rabbi of this synagogue. Uh, Danielle and I are leading the youth group. Um, I am uh, working at Soul Caffeine part-time. I am currently working on a master's degree. I just released a book that I'm trying to market and, and, and uh, uh, advertise myself and get out there. I've got interviews that are popping up all over the place for that purpose. I've got children, I've got a wife, I've got a house to take care of. I've got all kinds of stuff in my life, not to mention extended family and parents and brother and sister-in-law and nieces and nephews and, uh, and so on and so forth. I've got conferences that I've, most of you have seen the last few weeks. I'm running to left and right. I've got one that we've got to go to this weekend uh, in Jacksonville. We are always on the move. As a matter of fact, um, Jennifer Zilkowski, one of uh, the, the newer 
members here at the congregation. Uh, is a really good friend of ours before they started coming to the synagogue. And, uh, and she was looking, her and Danielle uh, have this app that allows them to kind of track each other uh, and where they're at, and which is I call the stalker app. But nonetheless, she was looking at it, and she realized that every couple of, uh, every day, like six or eight times a day, she gets a new notification that Danielle's on the move somewhere, that she's going to do this or going to do that. And she texts us one day, and she goes, do you guys ever just, like, sit still? Are you ever not on the move? That's our life. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. And most of all of this running is for you guys. But the reality is, is that I can find time in my life to make the time to minister to people and to make the time to disciple people. And I know most of you have extremely busy lives as well. Most of you, your lives may even be worse than mine in terms of how fast you're constantly going. And the world isn't slowing down any for us. But the reality is, is we must toil and struggle for the kingdom of God. We must make the time to feed into others' lives. Perhaps there's somebody you work with that the Lord has begun a conversation uh, for you to minister into their lives and, and, and you can take opportunities on your lunch breaks or opportunities, you know what? I don't like breathing in cigarette smoke that other people are breathing out, but if the Lord leads me to disciple somebody that's out back on a smoke break, I'm gonna go spend a few minutes with them. You know what, I, it's in God's hands. I'm gonna go take time to spend a few minutes and minister to them. That's just the reality about it. We're going to make the effort if we want to. We will make the effort to be used for the good and the glory of the kingdom of God. The cost of discipleship is toil and struggle. Look at Paul's life. Look at Peter's life. Look at Stephen's life. Look at all of these individuals throughout the Brukha, the Shah. Go back to the, the Torah and the, uh, the, the prophets and the writings and we look at Moses and Elijah and Elisha and we look at David and uh, Samuel and all these dudes who spend minute after minute after hour, year after year, simply feeding into other people's lives so that other people could walk in the glory of God. This is what we are called to and we have to be cautious not to let the idolization of ease of life take over what we are supposed to be doing as disciples of Yeshua. And finally, the last little bit of this passage says, striving with all his strength, not <clears throat> our strength, all of his strength. Speaking of Yeshua's strength, striving with all of his strength, which is powerfully at work in me. And we bring that whole passage together. It says, he, we proclaim him, Yeshua, warning and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Messiah to this end I labor, striving with all his strength, which is powerfully at work in me. And this fifth thing that we take away from here is the power of discipleship is the energy or the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit. Discipleship takes a lot of energy but uh, in the Ruach, God gives us the energy for the task at hand. It is not something that we have to try and force ourselves to, to push through because we shouldn't be discipling people in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own energy. It should be in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. While we do exert ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, it is not our energy at work. It is His. It is the God of all creation working in and through us faithfully day in and day out as we lead others in discipleship to Yeshua. The temptation to fight in this scenario is a dependence on oneself. Discipleship is not our knowledge and wisdom imparted. 
It is God's that we have the uh, blessing to impart into others' lives. We must continually rely on and renew in the Ruach to be disciples making disciples. See, here's the reality about it. And we were just talking with, uh, sorry, Jennifer. Uh, actually, I guess she's with the kids right now. Uh, we had coffee with Jennifer yesterday. For the record, you meet with me on a Friday. There's a very good chance on Saturday I'm going to call your name out. Uh, not picking on you. It's just fresh in my mind, and that's how it works. But we had coffee with Jennifer yesterday. Jennifer uh, uh, Lukens, our wonderful violinist who helps with uh, so many other things, dance and the, the, uh, the, the children's classes and anything and everything she can get her hands on. She is uh, such an amazing blessing to our congregation as a whole. And we had coffee with her yesterday. And in this, this talk, the, our time talking, one of the things that, because we were kind of talking about this idea of discipleship, and one of the things I'd mentioned is, you know, it's really prevalent in my mind and my heart right now as I think about this idea of discipleship and how we as the body of Messiah, as individuals within the body of Messiah, have miserably failed at being disciples who make disciples, at being disciples who build up the kingdom of God as we should, that Yeshua says that the harvest is ripe and ready, but the workers are few. And it really hit me, actually, at that moment in this conversation, that the reason the workers are few is because we've spent the last 1,800 years or so waiting on other people to do the work so that we didn't get our hands dirty. So that when it comes to picking the harvest, we don't make our skin bleed. We don't make calluses on our hands. We don't make our knees bruised because we have to get down to pick whatever the crop is up. We don't want to strain ourselves. Let somebody else do the work. Pass the buck on to somebody else. Let the, the pastor or the rabbi handle it. The evangelist handle it. That's what they're trained to do. That's what they go to school to do. That's what they're paid to do. No. Not even remotely. As I said in the very first week, salvation and discipleship, I don't believe is supposed to happen primarily in this building. It's not to say that it can't. That's not to say that it won't. But it should be happening in the streets. It should be happening in our living rooms. It should be happening in coffee shops, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever it may be. We should be humble enough to allow the Lord to use each and every one of us who have been bought by the extremely extremely generous cost of Yeshua's blood to be used by God to reach as many people as we can possibly reach. We should be willing to make the toil and struggle to take whatever cost it is on our own physical lives to see others' lives improved and glorify the kingdom of God. And the reason why the harvest is ripe, for the, uh, ripe and ready for the picking and the workers are few is because we are lazy we make ourselves useless for the kingdom of God. But I believe that the Lord is waking us up. That now is the time that the workers who are few become many. So that these many can reach the harvest that is ripe and ready for the picking. You and I have a, a divine challenge, a divine calling, a divine purpose called by Yeshua to be disciples who make disciples of all nations. Not to sit on our butts and twiddle our thumbs and hope that somebody else pulls it off. We are supposed to be in the trenches. We are supposed to be operating in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to see others' lives renewed and restored so that they can then turn and make new disciples. The harvest is ready. The workers are few. 
But now is the time. Today is the day. This is the hour that we change that. And that we become many ready to see the harvest be reaped. Amen. Abrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you. And we adore you, Father. I thank you <clears throat> that you have laid out such a beautiful reality of what you have given the blood of your only Son for our lives for. That we not waste it away, that we not squander it, that we not sit around and be lazy, but that we take up the charge to see other people come to faith in Yeshua through your work in our lives. That we may go forward and impact the world around us for your kingdom, not making our disciples not making mini-me's of ourselves, but building up Yeshua's disciples who will go forth and make more disciples for Yeshua. Father, I pray that you will encourage each and every one of us, that you will infill uh, in us again, refresh and refill us with your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit, that we can go forward, that we can share the truth of your word, the truth of your salvation, that many lives can be touched and that you will use us as you desire to use us to see the world around us impacted for the good and the glory of your kingdom and your holy name, B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. And everyone says, Amen.